Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Instant Classic Podcast. My name is Jay Sub. With me, as always, my brother, Emery Ogletree II. And today we also have a guest, Shonda Sug, the Indeed. host of the Labors of Love podcast. And my lady. What up? What up, Elle? Hey, how you doing? Welcome. 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 Thank you. Thank you. So excited to be here. All right. So, so let's happy. let's jump in, guys. So we'll we'll start off with Kwame Brown and Shannon Sharp. I don't know if all the listeners saw the the back and forth, starting with Kwame talking about LeBron on his, I don't know, Twitter, Instagram, whatever uh feed he was using. And then there was an entire segment on uh what is it called? Tree Undis- Undisputed. Undisputed. Yeah. An entire segment on Undisputed talking about Kwame's response. Uh his criticisms of LeBron James. And then of course, Kwame had a, a 30 minute <laughs> rant talking about Shannon Sharp of tree. What was your thoughts when you, when you saw the whole thing? Oh, I mean, real talk, man, it, it was heartbreaking more than anything. You know, it, it, it was more heartbreaking than anything. And uh, you know what? I mean, listen, let, let the ladies go first. I mean, Shonda, I mean, do you, are you familiar with the situation? I, I I am I am recently familiar. <laughs> with, so, ladies first, ladies first. Um. Well, so I like to say that I am I am basketball adjacent. I enjoy the sport. I played the sport in my youth. Um, but I watch it mainly because Jay watches it and his affinity towards the game. So not only do we watch it together, but I'm not really, I love inside the NBA, but I'm always, I'm a personality driven person and I'm always looking below the surface. So I I love the camaraderie, the brotherhood and things about inside the NBA that go well beyond the sports they're talking about. So no, I I do not watch Undisputed, Um, but I did see the clip. I saw a clip and then I was able to see, it was definitely, I wouldn't have watched 30 minutes of Kwame Brown talking, but it was like a four minute, a four minute segment of that. And I don't know, I think when you say, did you say it was sad? Was that yeah, it was sad. Yeah. It was sad. To me, it was just kind of sad. Yeah. I, I, you know, in my body, I felt, I felt the kind of way as I just kind of watched. So part of my takeaways, I, I don't know Kwame Brown, um, but I think that says something, right? As a casual basketball fan, the fact that I'm like, who is that, right? And there are just certain people I'm not going to say, who is that? I might not know stat lines. I might not know all the teams they played for, but people who had significant impacts in the game of basketball through the NBA, I know who they are. So the fact that first I had to ask, who is this person? I think says a lot mm-hmm. about how he's showing up and he kept talking about how Shannon Sharp was a guest in like in his analysis of the NBA because he didn't play in the NBA. He was an NFL player. And that was that was interesting to me too because what that made me think about is why I think one of the reasons Kwame Brown continues to establish a platform talking about sports it was that that's the only home he knows. Right. So in one way, I'm looking at this as his attempt to protect what he considers to be his social home. Right. So here's this person who is being paid to be analytical of the game, who is on a major network. But it seems like for Kwame, it felt like um, Shannon Sharp was in a place he shouldn't have been. And even though Kwame no longer plays in the NBA, how long has he been out of the NBA? Uh, probably this short. I mean, yeah, only it's been a decade yet. Yeah, I want to say probably about like five to six. Yeah, let's okay. say this is about probably you no know, half half yeah, about half a decade. Right. You know, I I just it feels like he's still trying to be a part of a social home or a social network. Um, and he felt offended by it. I don't necessarily think that a person who hasn't done something can't give an honest critique about it. But I also, when I listen to something, I'm looking for, there's probably a little bit of truth in something that people are saying, whether we agree with it or not. And it sounded like a lot of his critique was on, not necessarily, well, the fact that Shannon Sharp seems to be 
what do you call him? A fanboy? A LeBron fanboy? Fan yeah. <laughs> right? So when Shannon Sharp gets that reputation, it starts to make people, it starts to invalidate the arguments that he makes about different things because people are going to assume that he's only coming from this perspective. He's fanboying LeBron. So because I don't watch him, I don't know if his analytics seem to be objective over time, if he seems to like get, if he's able to look objectively at what's happening or does he lean into his own, his own preferences, which many people do. So it was just interesting for me, especially because I did not know Kwame Brown and he was rolling around in his car, which I'm like, bro, just be safe. Because I, I, Jay told me this is how most of his videos go. So it, it just, it's, it's a very interesting perspective to see someone that I feel is still trying to hang on to what they have known and become familiar with the NBA, the basketball life, the fame, whatever it is. And it seems like a reluctance to let that go. But we're talking about them. So I think in part, what he's setting out to do is working. If that is to remain relevant in talking about basketball. Go ahead, Hank. To me, there were truths in what both of them were saying. Mm -hmm. um, Shannon Sharp was right, where, you know, we should be kind of talking about coming because as a number one pick, there are things expected of you. Mm -hmm. He didn't pan out, but that doesn't mean he doesn't get to have an opinion about other basketball players. Um, and Kwame was right where he called Shannon a LeBron fanboy because Shannon goes over and above the call of duty defending LeBron, oh. no matter like what the situation it is, whether it's wrong or right. LeBron is like the end all be all for Shannon Sharp. Um, and and I think this is the first time that he's ever really been called on it which is why I think it's kind of gotten to where it's being picked up by all the other networks. Cause we've all seen it, but no one's ever really called him out on it, except for really like Memphis, like the Grizzlies kind of called him out on it, but you can't really take, you know, anything that they say because, you know, they just talk constantly. But I, if we were going to pick sides on this, I would probably say I'm, I'm with Kwame because Shannon goes above and beyond. Go ahead, Tree. Oh no, man. I mean, like I said, I mean, I'm I'm with you. And um as I initially I said it was sad simply because of the fact, I mean, it's two black men, and that's what made me sad about it. Because I felt like this is something that could have been completely avoided. I mean, the thing about these debate shows, these talk shows, the way things work is that before you even go on to set, you know, all these topics are basically discussed. Yeah. Like they give they give you the uh, call sheet like the night before you come in and and you pretty much discuss the topics that you receive. And <laughs> Shannon Sharp to me just said he set himself up. I really I think I think Fox just set him up. I know like you said Shannon might you no know, Shannon is like I call him LeBron groupies and he might be number one. Him Nick Wright, Jason McIntyre, and a couple of personal cats I know. Like you said, you they they can see no wrong in this cat. But what killed me is that again, why are we still talking about the Lakers and they are eliminated? They're out. But you so in your feelings about LeBron, you know, you you such a cheerleader for this cat that Kwame Brown, and Kwame Brown's not the only hooper who does it. Hell, I do. Other cats in the NBA, all these NBA cats, whether they're still playing now or used to play, are speaking about it. But because it was Kwame, it's just like you just felt the need to go out your way to pretty much just you know, tear the brother down. Yeah. To tear him down. It's just like, okay, yeah, you're making this point. He was a first-round pick, you know, in the eyes of the public, he's considered a bust. You know, I'm, I'm very careful with that word. You know, because again, the bottom line is you made it, you just didn't pan out to the way people probably expected, especially as a number one pick. It is what it is. Happened to a lot of hoopers. Not just a number one hoop, not just a number one pick. But on um on top of that, 
it's like I said, I agree with Kwame as well. I look at Shannon Sharp as a guest. And I feel qualified saying it. Shannon Sharp would never look me in the face and sit and feel like he knows more hoop than me. I respect the fact he's a Hall of Fame football player, but I, I look at him like, nah, bro, not you. Like Kwame said, like, you know, well, indirectly, stick to your sport, man. Marcellus Wiley had an interesting segment the other day when he was sitting talking about, like, Shannon sits across from Skip Bayless. Mm-hmm. Skip Bayless. What kind of credibility does Skip really have? Okay, yes, he, you know, covered the NBA. But let's keep it a buck. If it wasn't for analytics, Skip Bayless would be useless. None of his, at least from what, every time I watch him talk, 90% of the mess he says really has no credibility. Yeah. I say, you look you look at you no know, Russell Westbrook. Going out his way, he has to find the turn. If Russ has a bad game, Skip's good because he can just focus on the fact, well, Russell had a turnover. Can we play the highlight tape? But when Russ has a good game, it's just him saying, well, that was a fluke. That was luck. Seriously? Where's the objectivity? So this is your soundboard. Skip Bayless, a dude who worked in the media well over 30 years. Yes, he covered the you know, last dance, but that's all nice and well. But again, you you have no object, objectivity anywhere in most of your takes regarding basketball. You depend so much on analytics. You know, people just, you know, I mean, well, well, I think for those who really know the game, just kind of sit there and just say, like, dude, who cares? Honestly, who cares? It's like that Rui Hachimura stat they tried to use against Denver. <laughs> Six possessions and two shots. And they really try to build on that, like, oh, man, the Lakers got it now. They're going to be able to guard Jokic now. And I'm sitting there looking like, it's six possessions. Who the hell is going to do that? You figure out the form for the Joker in six possessions. Kwame, <laughs> I, look at it, I look at it like this. I mean, because I'm, I'm somewhat the same way. <laughs> if you're going to come at me, once you say that, then, bro, my response, just be ready for it. Yeah. Be ready for it. Now, Kwame said what he said about LeBron. A lot of people do. Shannon didn't have to go out his way to do that. Again, it's Kwame Brown. If you said nothing, nobody really would have cared. But for you to come at the way you did Kwame Brown, I'm not saying I agree with what Kwame no, said. I just say I understand. Because I've been in that same situation. Hey, you got to give respect to get it. And if I feel you coming at me crossways, well then, bro, I'm just going to come for you. And it's going to be whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say my piece. You say your piece. And it'll land where it'll land. But, I mean, but he, he made some very valid points. If it wasn't for LeBron, I honestly don't know what Shannon would have to talk about. But I say again, the Lakers are out. Why are we still talking about them? Mike Malone even said it. In his most recent press conference, why are we still talking about the Lakers? They're gone. Yeah. But it's this infatuation, and I still say LeBron James is the most coddled superstar in the history of this game. You're never going to convince me otherwise. I've never seen the greats of the greats of this game get the passes LeBron does. For my two cents, I've never seen it. But for Shannon to you know, do what he did, and to go at Kwame the way he did, I said, again, it, in the end, it really doesn't benefit either one of them. Like I said, Fox, Fox is sitting there looking like, hey, at least we'll get some ratings. And that's what I'm looking at Shannon, like, come on, man. Seriously? Yeah. But then it's just like, oh, man, more people are going to tune in because they want to know what Kwame said, you know, what he's going to respond back to Kwame. That's like, it, just, it just makes him look better. <laughs> and like I said, you know, two brothers in those kind of situations – it's, it's just sad to see. It's just sad to see. <laughs> you know, I say, ex, no, accept the fact you are a LeBron fanboy. I mean, he, he does admit it to a point, but at the end of the day, I mean, could Shannon Sharp really say be that offended by what Kwame said? It's not yeah. like you didn't bring it down on yourself. Yeah. What you got to say, L? Well, one, so I have a question, but before the question, where I disagree is I think it benefits them both. Right. Ratings is an actual thing. And I I think when you look at why shows do what they do, we're talking about it there. We're talking about it. Right. So it's like whether whatever the opinion is, I, I when I think about 
sports, I, I have a tendency to be, when I step back and look at it from a capitalistic lens, it's, it's driving attention. And I think that could benefit both, right? Because all of a sudden you have a casual sports fan who now is like, well, who is Kwame Brown? I now know someone who I didn't know before attached to the game of basketball, right? I can find myself being more curious about him. I think that benefits Kwame Brown in whatever way. I know who Shannon Sharpie is. So whether the benefits measure out over time, I feel like, and I, from my perspective, isn't this the point of conversations on things like Uninterrupted, Around the Horn, all of these shows that that come out to have these conversations? Stephen A. Smith, the only thing I know about him is his voice <laughs> and how when I hear it, I change the station because there's something about the timbre of his voice that just doesn't sit right in my body. But I know that he's pretty inflammatory. So when you say it doesn't benefit, I'm just curious, like what you mean by that? Is this not a benefit? Or are you just saying in the greater scheme of the game, it doesn't benefit? Both. I mean, because again, it, I mean, if you're like, so yeah, if you're Fox, it benefits you great. It benefits you right. great. Benefits them, but I'm just, I mean, I'm looking at Kwame and Shannon. I, honestly, I don't care about Kwame's podcast. I honestly think Kwame cares about his podcast. It's just like when he has the brother has something to say, he posts it. Like he said in, his, like he said in, in many of his posts. You know, this man got businesses apparently out the wazoo going on. He decided to go on, you know, post his stuff on social media, give his two cents regarding LeBron. Like I said, a lot of players do this. But again, but the fact that it was LeBron, and like I said, it's not even really a sports topic. Shannon Sharp is just doing it because he's that much of a LeBron fan. I said, the Lakers are gone. Why are, even, why are we even still discussing them? Because you're offended that Kwame Brown, who happened to be, you know, from public perception, a bus said this about LeBron. A lot of people say that about LeBron. As an, as an agent of Fox, that's all my point is. I think it benefits, even though I don't have to. It, it, it benefits Fox, but like I said, but Shannon and Kwame, I, like I said, I don't see the benefit. Like, you know, like I said, it's going to bring the views in, but I guess for me, I'm just saying, where does it end? Well, I, I can meet you on that point, and I, I think that's a conversation about yeah, that I think that's a really great conversation for people who sit in that role. At what point does the benefit that the system in which they're operating in cost them personally? Different topic, but that's right. So, right. No, it doesn't necessarily benefit Shannon Sharp, but it does benefit Fox. Right. In that way. But I have a question about. So you said you agree you would call Shannon Sharp an outsider. Um, sure. He did not play. Um, he did not play professional basketball. I'm curious about, and this obviously is just you all's opinions. Not everyone shares them, but is it a credibility piece outside of the fact that he clearly has a preference for LeBron and skews his comments and things in that way? Is there a credibility piece to people giving commentary or analytics or analysis in a sport that they didn't play? Even if they were a professional athlete in a different sport, how does that play into your respect or your acknowledgement of other people outside of Shannon Sharp, even if they didn't play the sport? I need to see objectivity. That's my biggest thing. Can't sit there and base your argument purely off the fact that you like one particular player. That's my biggest thing. When I said, just like when I talk basketball with just regular guys, I can see him break down know, the history of the game. I can give him examples and stuff like that. And your response to me was, Oh, well, that was back in the 1960s and 70s. No, there weren't that many. And I was like, that's it? That's your best response? There has to be objectivity to your point. Don't just sit here and tell me something based on the fact that this is your favorite player and that's all that matters. That, that means to me that you're not being open. Just like the Steph Curry-LeBron argument. Ink and I have talked about many times. This is Steph Curry's era. The argument can be made. But for those just to shoot it down, where you can basically give them facts based off of like, okay, well, at what point, you know, can we not give Steph Curry his credit? You know, oh, yeah, he beat LeBron, but he had KD. Is that Curry's fault? Oh, yeah, he beat LeBron, but 
two of his teammates got hurt in the first finals. This is sports. Everybody gets hurt. If that's the case, then by any metric, that means anybody who wins the championship probably should have won because somebody, I'm sure, along the way got hurt. There has to be an objectivity to your argument for me to sit up there and actually, you know, really respect what you're saying. And I said, I can respect the fact that you feel LeBron is the go. I don't agree with it, but I have to hear your argument on why. And if your argument is just basically because at the end of the day, LeBron is your favorite player and you can't show no objectivity towards him at all. Like, yes, there are a lot of positives to LeBron. Awesome negatives. They're negatives to every athlete in every sport. But you don't ever want to recognize that in certain aspects, an athlete is better than another athlete in certain aspects of their sport. <laughs> how can, how can I, I can't take you seriously. So, uh, so a person giving analysis, critique, or commentary on basketball, for you, they don't necessarily have to have played the sport professionally or at a high level, but they hmm. do need to possess objectivity and be able to back up the points that they're making. Absolutely. And make us okay. and make that make them valid points. Gotcha. Okay. Like, I mean, just like in anything. I mean, if I <laughs> if I walked into a session, you know, trying to be like you, and I look at you no know, one of your is patients the best term to use? Clients is fine. Clients, okay, thank you. Clients. Okay, yeah, sure, sure. I've probably been through a similar situation in them. Would that give me credibility to sit up there and talk to them about their situation better than you? I don't have near the experience you have, mm -hmm. but I've been through a similar situation. I'm just based off my situation. So this is the advice I would give. Obviously, it wouldn't sound like you based off your expertise, based off your studies and everything else like that. But just because I've been through that similar situation, here's my two cents. This is what you should do. Well, no. Well, well see, it, it depends. I will say, what are how are we engaging in conversation? If you're saying specifically from the therapeutic standpoint, that's kind of why I asked the question, because I sit with all kinds of people all day, every day, and right. I cannot say that I'm an insider. I, I in, in so many different things, when they come to me with whatever they're coming with, the circumstances will likely say, I'm not an insider, whatever that is. In this context, Shannon Sharp being an insider, or an outsider means he did not play professional basketball. But when I sit with folks, I don't, I haven't done a lot of things they've done. I haven't experienced a lot of things they've experienced. But when I sit with them, I'm coming from a human to human perspective where we can go beneath the details of what the exact things were. So nope, I, I don't have that particular situation, but there is a level where we can connect at. And that was just part of my curiosity around it because in this scenario, if I'm sitting and I've been given the platform to give critique analysis or whatever that is, that clearly wouldn't be for basketball <laughs> because I, that's not it. But in this scenario, I also am Shannon Sharp. I would be coming in as an outsider. People would be able to say, you ain't never played in the NBA. You ain't never played in the WNBA. You didn't even play in college. Right. And so I was just curious that that automatically dictated that I didn't have a reasonable voice in the conversation. Now, I'm 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 stellar. I'm top tier in objectivity. I really can be. And when I'm not being objective, I just straight up say I'm not being objective. Exactly. I'm leaning into my preference. I'm leaning, hey, this is it because of this, right? Um, and, and I think that feels like the point. You said it. Shannon Sharp gets to have his preferences. But mm -hmm. as a person who is being paid, to speak things. And then you have casual fans like myself who might come in and say, if you got a paid TV show, I should be listening to you because people are paying you to give objective information. It's helpful for me if you state, this is not me being objective, <laughs> right? Because it, it does. So, so I get your point completely. Also just wanting to say like, you know, I'm an outsider in a lot of people's lives, but I'm very impactful in their lives because I can come at this deeper level. And it seems like that's what is what gets missed sometimes. If people are, if, if Shannon Sharp is, is he, does he deny that he is a LeBron James fanboy? I'm generally- No, no, he, no, he doesn't. I mean, it's a proud flag waving LeBron. Oh, okay, okay, exactly. <laughs> okay. Which, which, which goes back to the point of like, then why even do the topic? 
Yeah. Again, like I said, this, this only benefited Fox. Yeah. And that's why I feel like there's no special with Undisputed, which is why I prefer first takeover Undisputed regarding basketball. I know they're going to stick to basketball more, more times than not. Again, when I, when I saw that morning and I saw that topic, I, again, I was just like, why are we talking about them when they're not even in the playoffs anymore? Yeah. It's just, there's just there's no relevancy. You know, and I mean, I know you, and back to your previous point, I know you said that you don't see yourself as an insider, but I mean, I guess for me, from the in, from the outside looking in, I know, like I said, to me, I would consider you, you an insider. Because like I said, again, I mean, I, I don't have, I don't have the credentials that you have, you know? And I said, so I guess it's just for me, again, I, it'd, it'd be one of those points where I guess it's almost when you don't, you don't, you'd have to basically hear me and I would turn to you and say, what do you think of what I said? You know, cause I said, I'm just basically basing off experience to experience and what I you know, consider what a therapist to be though, you know, I never you know, had one myself, but obviously there's a reason why you became a therapist. You know, you go to the studies that you did, you know, to earn the degrees that you have, you know, put you, that put you in a position where you are. Yeah. So obviously there, there, there's a application of knowledge that goes far beyond anything I would know. I mean, at the end of that, I could possibly sit there like, man, well, they're just mad because you know, dude cheated on her or, you know, they're getting divorced, whatever. Like, okay, it's a human emotion where you might actually be able to go even deeper into it, you know, a, a particular terminology and even go and give her even something more where I may never even think of letting myself even go there. Through that. And and that's, a, that's, it's valid in that point. At the same time, I would not suggest that just because somebody was a professional basketball player in the NBA, that they should be able to give commentary. Right. And that's not what you're saying, but that's also the point I'm trying to bring in too. that, like, you know, I think for me, language is important and just helping me to still in the conversation, just like, okay. And I feel like we're saying the same thing, but I don't think just because somebody has played the sport and are an insider that automatically qualifies them. And I don't think someone being an outsider automatically disqualifies, disqualifies them. And I think to the point I'll shout it out. 10 out of 10, I recommend therapy with a good therapist. But that's, I feel like, what we're talking about. Like, there's levels to everything. Right. When we have a conversation about the top 75 or who who's the GOAT, we're talking about levels. And you, may, you mentioned just because Kwame Brown's career did not look like people thought it should have looked like. And that People think different things. He was the number one pick, though. And there is kind of this expectation that comes with it does not make it a failure. And how long ago was it that Shannon Sharp shared that? Because I saw the clip. When did he say that? He had said that he wasn't a bust a year ago. So like a year ago, there is a clip. He said Kwame's not a bust. Right. (laughs) So to his point... You know, I came on and I when I was even talking to Jay, like, like I've been talking crap about being on this podcast for a long time, y'all. <laughs> like, I, but I said for real, what do you want me to talk about? Because while I can talk about sports, it's always human nature to me, and it's very fascinating that a year ago there seemed to be some objectivity that Shannon Sharp had when he said, "Listen, just because Kwame didn't pan out the way the number one pick people think the number one pick should, that does not mean his career is a bust." Mm-hmm. But now he sits in a seat of emotionality, of a deep connection of something that he prefers being spoken against. And he's going against that objectivity to say, man, your career was a bust, right? For me, that's the fascinating thing that I look at, that how quickly objectivity can come and go when people are not like regulated, rooted and centered. Like when I listened, when I listened to that clip, the two of the differences between Kwame's clip and Shannon Sharp's clip is that I don't think Kwame was mad. I think Kwame was just talking, right? Yes. It seemed to be how if I walked up to him in a grocery store, how he would be talking. But Shannon Sharp, he was not regulated. Homeboy's heart rate, he was he was so escalated and activated, right? That's already telling me you don't even have access to objectivity even if you are an objective person, mm-hmm. right? A person who can generally be objective. Once you get to that level of your nervous system, you you can't even think about objectivity, right? That should have been the first clue right there. Like, wait a minute. 
because he wasn't settled when he was talking about it. He seemed subtle a year ago in the clip when I saw when he said his career wasn't a bust. So I wholeheartedly, like, I agree with you. I think that, you know, and when you said it, Fox benefits. And going back to your original point, <clears throat> Fox is benefiting from two Black men being in direct conflict with one another in a very public way so that they can do the tearing down of each other Right, while they can kind of stand back with their hands, like, oh my, I don't, know. I don't even know how this. Oh man, that <laughs> that escalated. But to your point, the escalation is intentional, right? And it just kind of seems like Shannon took the bait. Yeah, that's all, that's all it was. I mean, and again, that's why I would sit there and if I met Shannon, I would tell him like, bruh, so you you know, you know what it is, so you know. I mean, I mean, Shannon's had situations even before the little scuffle with the Memphis Grizzlies this year. Football players have called him out. Yep. Lamar I mean, Jackson. But, yeah, uh, not just Lamar. Um, I'm not sure if you watch uh, Club Shay Shay. Do you watch Club Shay Shay? I've seen clips. I haven't seen like a whole episode. But there was a moment on the show. And here we go again. This man is a Hall of Fame football player. Someone listen to this man. You're a Hall of Fame football player. I know you know this sport. Why wouldn't I listen to you? And as he was sitting there in a the particular example, I can't remember the name of the player. But they eventually squashed the beef on his podcast. But he gave an objective, you know, objective opinion based off this player's play. And again, when you do that, people are going to respond anyway. Now, Shannon came back on the uh, Undisputed like the next day. It was more of an emotional reaction because no dude was talking sideways. Mm -hmm. But, you know, watch your mouth. You know, it's like, next time you see me, you know, we're going to have a problem. Shannon, something like, look, don't take me for no game. I said, I can, I can understand that part. And that's when he even sat there and said, he's like, what these guys don't understand is I'm just giving them an objective opinion based off what I see and what I've done. Which makes sense because, again, you played this game at a Hall of Fame level, so you can do that. Yeah. The fact that these, and the fact that these players, I mean, anytime you're going to get criticized based on your work, no, I mean, you're going to feel a certain way. I had an audition not that long ago. You know, the casting director roasted me. Did it bother me? Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know what? I just had to you know, keep it in. That's the business. Every audition is not going to be the same. But at the same time, I realized everybody responds different to criticism. Now, they met on his um, podcast club, Shay Shay, and they squashed it. You know, it was just done. And like Shannon, I wish I could remember the dude's name. But he's about like, bro, this is all I was saying. And it's interesting what happens when you just basically shut up and just listen to what the other person like says. Like you said, Shonda, we don't have to agree. Excuse me. We don't have to agree. But at least when you're making your point, let it be objective, let it be factual, and I can hear you out. Yeah. Oh, I can see why you came from that perception. You made some valid facts. Doesn't mean I have to like it, but I can understand where you're coming from. Cool. No problem. But unfortunately, you can't apply with him and LeBron. I say it's clearly just <laughs> his affection for LeBron is crazy. He's not the only one. He's not. Speaking of LeBron, let's jump to our next topic where. And this hurts because I feel like two of my people are are kind of it's a one sided feud. But Scottie Pippen is at it again, y'all. Um, And I'm going to just read exactly what he said. Scottie Pippen said. LeBron will be the greatest statistical guy to ever play the game of basketball. And there's no comparison to him. None. So does that make him the greatest player to ever play the game? I'll leave that up for debate because I don't believe there's a great player because our game's a team game and one player can't do it. I saw Jordan play before I came to play with the Bulls. You guys saw him play. He was a horrible player. He was a horrible, he was horrible to play with. He was all one-on-one. -on -one. He's shooting bad shots. And all of a sudden, we become a team. We start winning. And everybody forgot who he was. That's what Scottie Pippen said about MJ. He called Michael Jeffrey Jordan a terrible, a horrible player. Michael Jeffrey Jordan, who won the rookie of the year. Michael Jordan, who averaged 37 points a game. His, I think that was maybe his second or third year. Like, I think, personally, 
that uh, the last dance really hurt Scotty. I think Scotty is really hurt by the last dance. I think Scotty is hurt that it in 2023, Scotty's wife is more is more known than he is. Um and, and not enough flattering light for Scotty. I think he is lashing out at the one person that he can lash out against, and that's MJ, because MJ's name is always out there. Like everybody, MJ is that mountain that everybody is trying to climb. Um, while Scotty doesn't get any of those accolades, his name is never mentioned, um, unless it's by future in a song. Like, what are your guys' takes? He's first. Wounds speak. And I think Scotty is a very wounded man. Yeah. Um, like I listened. I saw the clip where he said that you just read it. And I, I don't think this conversation is about basketball. So I don't have any contributions to make around the valid because we know it's nonsense, right? Yes. How, no matter what you think of how you like Michael Jordan to say that he was a terrible player or horrible player it's just, it's it's unrealistic, right? So that automatically tells me we need to be having a different conversation. And it's not a basketball conversation. And I think the points you brought up illustrate a lot of things. Validation and acknowledgement, whether a person wants to, whether they realize it or not, is a deep need. It is a deep human need. And many people go about it in many different ways. And I don't know, I have heard conversations that have explicitly named Scottie Pippen as a major contributor to the Bulls' success. He was. Right? I don't think you can talk about, you know, that run with the Bulls and not talk about the impact that Scottie had on the team, on, on MJ himself, right? But then this documentary comes out. And I'm not saying that it doesn't, it it didn't acknowledge Scottie Pippen, but I don't know if it acknowledged Scottie Pippen in a way Scottie Pippen thought he should be acknowledged. And so when you said he was hurt by the last dance, that's what it sounds like to me. That's what it looks like to me. And everything that, I, anytime I hear his name is when he is saying something that you'd be like, for real, bro. Like, but that that's not even, that's, it was now I think if you replace the word player with the word human, right? Can you read what Scotty said again? And every time he said the word player, say the word human. I got you. I saw Jordan play before I came to play with the Bulls. You guys saw him play. He was a horrible human. He was a horrible. He was, he was horrible to play with. He was all one-on-one. -on -one, he's shooting bad shots. And that's the last time where he came in. But yeah. Right. I think he's talking about how he feels about Jordan. And I don't even know. And maybe it was how he felt about him then. But his way, you called his wife. It is his ex-wife, right? His ex-wife. Yes, ex-wife. Okay. Ex <laughs> right? Divorce. So all of a sudden, this documentary comes out. And you're a part of it. But maybe you don't feel like you were... I don't know, shown the way you want to, or maybe you were and you just realized, but that man is hurting. And now his ex-wife is out here pulling his name into conversations he's not entering, right? So at some point, I wondered, is he trying to take back the narrative? It's not necessarily, maybe it's effective because we're talking about what he said instead of who his wife's sleeping with, which again, at some point when they divorce, when does that get to be separate? When does what she's doing stop being a direct reflection on him, on his manhood, or even their relationship? So again, I don't think it's a basketball conversation. Um, I think when he is talking about that, everyone can say objectively from a, analytics, from a numbers perspective, Jordan wasn't a horrible player, right? But if you're talking about the quality of relationship, how he feels about him, I, I that's what I think is coming up. Wounds talk very loudly. And when you listen to him, I just hear a hurt, hurt man. Yeah, Trey. Yeah, I mean, I agree with both of you. 
I sent out a tweet and said basically the same thing Ink just said. So that that uh, last dance did something to Scotty, but let's be real, it was even before the last dance. Yeah. I mean, before the situation with Larsa and MJ's son, which one is it, Marcus? Yeah, it's Marcus. You know, I mean, she was with, uh, what's what's old boy's name, Beasley? Malik Beasley. Yeah, yep. but Beasley, and when she was somebody before that too? Yeah, it was a couple uh, fringe NBA players, and then before that it was Future. Right, and it, right, it was Future, thank you. You know, and I was you know, going off of uh, what Shonda just said, I think it's also just the fact of, like, you know, when does it end? You know, when can they both live two separate lives? I think that's more so with her, because, I mean, let's just be honest, she's going to milk that Pippin name. She's going to milk it. Because I don't know what her real last name is, or excuse me, her maiden name is. But as long as that Pippin's on the end, divorced or not, she knows that's going to garner her you know, attention. It's going to keep her trending. And like you said, Shonda, too, uh, <laughs> Scotty, Scotty just looked hurt. He just looked hurt. I mean, this isn't the first time he, you know, put LeBron over Mike. You know, and it goes back to, you know, the previous conversation when I was mentioning uh, Shannon and Skip. <laughs> I personally, again, believe that Scotty doesn't get enough respect as a ball player that he should. Mm-hmm. I respect Scotty. I recognize everything that he did with the Bulls, MJ or not. But it's like, you know, people like Skip Bayless sit up there and say, you know, well, MJ didn't need Scotty Pippen. He could have took, you know, you know, Doug Williams brought him in and still won the six championships. And it's like, again, you know, it goes back to that objectivity. Like, what are you talking about? He did it with Scotty Pippen. No one else on that Bulls roster can sit there and look at Mike and say, every time you won, I was right there with you. And see, and for me, I would think if I was Scotty, that'd be enough. Because obviously, I'm never going to be seeing the same light as MJ. You're just not. But you're still a Hall of Fame player. You made the top 50. You're top 75. One of the greatest hoopers of all time. One of the top 10 small fours ever played a game. It's just kind of like, you know, Scotty, what else do you need, man? I mean, MJ himself said, I couldn't have done it without you. Exactly. And it's kind of like, uh, it made me question, like, does Scotty think it was fake? Now, we can't speak to their personal relationship. I can only go off of what I viewed in the last dance. But I... I perceive that you no know, MJ truly appreciates Scotty and what he did with him, well, with him, what they accomplished together, you know. But for some reason or another, it's like Scotty just has this need to get these these shots out. And now at this point, when you call MJ horrible, man, how, how can anybody take you seriously? I think the only reason people are actually still paying attention. Is that they just want to see if MJ responds? And I mean, credit, credit to MJ. MJ hasn't said one word. He hasn't. He hasn't responded. He hasn't entertained it. Honestly, if if I was MJ, I would just call Scotty up and like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, do we do we need let's just have a talk? Because you out here just know spouting out nonsense. You got a problem? Come see me. Because I don't know what this is all about. And obviously, lost of Pippen dating Michael MJ's son. <laughs> I said. I, 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 I don't know what Larsa Pippen's endgame is. I, I feel it's like a desperation to stay in the limelight. Like, is she and Marcus potentially going to get married? I'm assuming that she's known this dude since basically he was in diapers, right? Yeah. I'll tell you, the one I feel worse for is Scotty Pippen Jr. The son is who I feel bad for. But at the end of the day, <laughs> there, there are parts of me that, that, that does kind of understand where Scotty's come from. Because, you know, like Shonda said, like, you know, there's you no know, a need for, like, the validation, Shonda, that you said. Like, so I went through a similar situation with my induction to my high school's Hall of Fame. Now, it wasn't as bad as Scotty, but my thing was just, on my side, from my approach, was just simply, just give me what I earned. I don't need nothing else besides that. You know, I know my status. I know what I accomplished. Give me what I earned. You know, my sister wasn't in there either. I thought I was disrespectful. I was like... My sister's you no know, arguably the greatest female athlete ever winning. You still don't have her in here. You know, put her in before you put me in. You know, which is what ended up happening. But it's just like at the end of the day, once it once it happened, I was just like, oh, cool, done. I don't have nothing else to do with was. I said, that was the last thing I needed. Because as I you know, <laughs> me and my high school coach, we don't really have much of a relationship at all. But one of the last conversations I told him was just like, dude, it's like all I'm saying is for every dude that you put on here that I played with. You can't look me in my face and say that they were better than me and they deserve to go in there more than me. 
That's just from an objective. You can say, is that emotional? Sure. But it's also objective. It's a fact. All you got to do is do your research. So give me what I earned. If you don't put them in, put me in. And we'll be done. But with, with Scotty right now, it's just <laughs> it's just more or less, at the end of the day, I think Scott, Scotty should just go see someone. That's just where I'm at. Scotty needs to go, just go see someone. I know, I know a good I'm therapist. Yeah, I was about to say, I know a good therapist uh, that works with athletes and their families. But for real, like we joke about it, uh, lightweight, but we live in a culture and a society that views pain as entertainment. So whether we're looking at any of the video, any of the topics we're talking about right now, like seeing someone in there and then to say like, that's emotional and, and emotional, particularly in particularly in these conversations are used as like a negative word. Like it's now we are all emotional, period. Humans are emotional creatures, mm-hmm. right? And our culture really, really, really likes pain is entertainment how many times have you heard that mary's best music is mary's depressed music right like i don't want no happy mary it goes further back than that like we like big luther you know what i mean because it's it's this whole connotation of when we can consume someone else's pain as entertainment for me that really hurts because people are really 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 in pain right what i'm hoping for scotty specifically because he has the resources he has the resources to get the help he needs if he wants it. And there are so mm-hmm. many people who don't, right? Mm-hmm. So I am I can see, Scotty, I see that through a lens, but I'm also looking at, you know, Tree, you shared your experience going into the high school hall of fame. There are athletes all over who are sharing some part of a pain story, right? And they might not get the visibility that Scotty is getting in all this stuff. But for me, this is my PSA. That's not something you have to carry forever. There are people who can help you work through that pain in a way that meets who it is. I think <clears throat> therapy and all this stuff gets such a negative stigma mm. when we're talking about it, especially when we're talking about athletes, when we're talking about men, when we're talking about Black men specifically. <clears throat> but everyone sees Scotty's pain. It's whether or not people choose to look at it and recognize it as pain or whether they choose to use it as entertainment. And the part about when can they relate, when can Larsa, that's her name, right? Mm-hmm. When can Larsa's actions begin to be separate from Scottie Pippen? That actually has nothing to do with either one of them. And it has to do with the people consuming her actions, right? There are still people who look at her dating Marcus and make that about Scotty. When it's not. So when you say capitalizing off the Pippin name, I mean, it feels evident. And I'm saying that without judgment, good, bad, right or wrong. It's a name she had for a long time. But attachment to that name is why we're having these conversations. But there are people all over who are having painful moments. And it's my hope that when people see those things come, because I also like, does Scotty have friends? This is rhetorical, (laughs) but does he have friends? Does he have not people to talk to to make him better? No, but like, did somebody know you was going to hit record? Did you talk to somebody about this, right? So then there's like, we we can talk about Ja not having people around him to stop him from doing foolish things. I think everybody at the caliber of professional athlete needs a solid team around them who gonna just stop you from doing things like going live? Like, who are gonna be like, oh, we're in this moment. Now, what are the resources we're gonna turn to? Because as long as it's put out there for public consumption, people are going to consume it. And it's gonna continue be, continue to be used as entertainment. That, And then it's so entertaining that people don't even go like, oh man, how do we rally around him and get him support? They like, oh man, let's just keep watching this train crash. And for me, that's the sad part. Takes their mind off their own situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's what my coworker used to say. <laughs> because you know, I told I told this uh, former coworker. I, I mean, I do. I hate reality TV. Can't stand it. You know, even when they do <laughs> like the you know the basketball stuff with the rookies coming in, like I can watch it to a point. You know, I guess it just depends on the story. But like, just like in general, reality TV, especially like those dating shows, it's just like no, man, it's it's not for me. But real real wives of wherever, like stuff like that, it's like no, man, it's just not that serious. 
I don't see where the necessity to sit there and watch these people live their lives outside of, you know, you just need a break from your own reality helps anything. You know, so I'm, I, I do I do hope Scott, because for him not to recognize what he's accomplished and I like you said again, I'm, I hope he's not feeling they so no not respected. I mean, he is, but maybe, like I said, maybe he's just not to the level that he wants. Which is almost everybody. <laughs> right. All right. So let's jump to our last topic. And that was an all-time like classic finish, man, to game six of the NBA Eastern Conference Finals. Miami Heat versus the Boston Celtics. Um, back and forth affair. Every time I thought like Boston was gonna pull away and just end this thing, Miami would show their resilience and come roaring back to the point where they had a lead and Marcus Smart had a look that rimmed in and out and then just came out at the perfect spot for Derek White to get a tip in with no time left on the clock. Um, I know, Shonda, you and I were watching this together, and when that shot went out and then the tip, we both screamed. We, like, yelled <laughs> to the point Scream. where our kids ran in, like, what is going on? Like, why are you yelling? <laughs> it, it was a spectacular finish. I I love Game 7. Being that the Bulls are not involved in these playoffs, really, it has just freed me up to just enjoy basketball with no rooting interest, man. And it has been a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, Tree, what were your thoughts when you saw this? I know I know, Shonda was bugging when, when the whole thing went out, but what was your reaction when you saw that tip? Oh, sure, yeah, I'll go. go. Um, <laughs> honestly, to me, it was the best game of the playoffs. Yes. Game of the year, actually. I said, that's the best game of the year. And, you know, I got to tip my hat to Miami, especially with the way that Butler and Bam was shooting. I mean, they, they literally willed themselves back in that game. That's all it was. You know, next to the fact that, again, instead of the Celtics playing to win, they were playing trying not to lose, trying to go for that early knockout, all in threes. I'm sitting there looking like, why are you shooting all these threes? No clock. <laughs> you're up double figures. You know, you're just trying to go for that early knockout, and you just kept giving these cats opportunity after opportunity, right? Jimmy stepped up to the line, hit those three big threes, uh, free throws, excuse me. My only issue, per se, was just the out-of-bounds defense. And I heard what Spo said. I mean, I know he you know, helped Struce. You know, he said Struce made the right call. I'm just saying, for me, I wouldn't have done it that way. You have to cover the inbound pass. I don't care if Tatum does catch the ball. I'm trusting Jimmy for three seconds of defense. Mm-hmm. Either way, when you're Either way, you're playing for a game-winning shot. I'd rather you much take a last-second three rather than you trying to tip the ball in at the basket. Yeah, he's not Steph Curry. Like, I can understand if you're doing that to keep Steph from getting the ball because he's somebody who I don't want to get the ball in a last-second shot. But Jason Tatum, he ain't been shooting like that. Absolutely, and and that's just what it was. So, again, I said when I saw it, when I, I had to play the replay, like, a couple times, I was just like, what was he thinking? His back was completely to the ball. He's so busy watching Tatum. And once the ball got in, you know the Marcus. He was watching Marcus. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why you already had a step on? Like, dog. I mean, this is basic basketball, man. You ball. <laughs> so when that shot went up, and like you said, and I saw D White cut to the rim, and he and he made the tip. I knew it was good. I, and I just sat there. And just, all I could do was drop my head. Like, damn, that's a terrible way. I've lost games like those. Those hurt. And I think I would have, we sent our little group chat. I was like, man, everybody going to be sitting there for a while. I know I would have been. You're going to say word to me. Surrender Cobra. Surrender Cobra. <laughs> like, can I just represent the people in the world who, yes, it was an instant classic. It was great. But it was anxiety provoking as hell. Okay. For the, I, I just want to, because somebody going to come across this podcast and be like, man, that was a lot. It's a lot. And there are a lot of people out there like me who, it's no lie, the game, whenever it's like tie game, this many seconds or down one, I'm like, nope, like I can't even, it, it is so much. So it was so good. I forced myself 
to watch Jimmy shoot those three free throws. I was just like, do not dissociate, do not turn around, like watch it. And and I was so stunned by the play. But I also, and I said this in our group chat, like it felt re-traumatized. This felt like, I well, it was like May 13th, 2004. 0.4 seconds on the clock. I am a Tim Duncan fan, non-objective. Like that's my boy. I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan. I'm a pop fan. Um, and to watch that ball go in, I screamed then too. <laughs> so when I was watching last night, it was something again, I would call, I would consider myself a casual basketball fan, but it was just something too familiar about the last second nature of it. Um, that was like, oh my goodness. And for me, it was something about hearing the stadium go silent that just does a thing, whether it does a, a positive thing for the away team, or it, it just like, I said, it feels like a hot air balloon got shot out the sky. Like everything just just deflated and came out of there. And the impact, cause on, our, on my podcast, the Labors of Love podcast, Jay and I very early first season, he was my first guest and we talked about sports trauma. And like, I just wanna be real to some people who, it's a day or two later and they still feeling stuff in their body. Like that's real connecting it. Whether, you know, tree, you said you've lost games like that. Like that stuff mm -hmm. still lives on in the body. And you recognize like, Oh, it's these two teams over there. You know, Jay, from your perspective, I ain't got a dog in a fight. <clears throat> you know what I mean? I'm not, I have no affinity to either of these two teams. I'm just going to enjoy good basketball. But then there, this is, I know it's bringing up stuff. And a whole bunch of people, whether it was a profession, you know, whether they was watching a team losing this way or winning this way or what they've played. It is amazing how sports can impact the psyche, the body, the emotions, right? And people who don't understand that be looking at people who are impacted like, it's just a game. What's the big mm -hmm. deal? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm just, as 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 what some would call an expert, I want to let people know, like, that's real. They're not making it up. It's not even that they're overly involved or overly concerned about something that's not about them. These kind of really close scenarios, they hit to real life experiences that people have and that stuff comes back up. So it was just something about watching all of that go down and how an entire city and stadium was left frozen for minutes because like the impact on the body is like for real, real in these kind of situations. I know it's funny. Uh, I play in the basketball league out here and basically I almost went through almost somewhat of a similar thing. We put our first game last week. We were winning the first half by 11, come back the second half, Long story short, we got screwed over a little bit. But the funniest thing about it, after we lost, and Ink knows how I used to be, <laughs> but it's just funny. 20-something years later, you know, I came home, talked to Michelle and my wife, and I was just so quiet, and she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, you know what? I can't believe that all these years later, I still get like this. And she's like, get like what? I was like, losing bothers me, especially to lose the way we did. Now, I can take a loss, but like something like Derek White, again, I told you <laughs> – I'd have been there with Jimmy. We just would have been sitting in that locker room and just, just not moving. And then on the other side of it, too, like when you make a <laughs> make a crowd go quiet and you guys kind of sit there, you smile at everybody and wave, like, yeah, we got you. Hey, no, go home. It, it's been real. Let's go. It it it, it is. It's, it's real, man. But uh, I'm so torn about this game seven right now. On one end, I want Boston to win because obviously my all-time favorite athlete, Bill Russell, died last year. So I think it would be very fitting if Boston wins the championship the year after he died. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, the Miami culture is so such a similar reminder to the way I played the game, and I just and I, and I love the way Jimmy plays. I just like I want him to get another shot at the title. So I thought I told you in the text you asked me who you think will win. I said like, I honestly don't know. I, I'm, I'm really torn. I don't know. I'm gonna sit back and watch. We'll see what happens. I'm I'm with you on the torn. And even just thinking about like the potential matchup with the Denver Nuggets, um, Boston is the bet. Boston is the bet on paper. They are the better team, 
Like they would put up a better fight on paper with mm-hmm. the Denver Nuggets. Right. But Boston also can go to sleep for like two weeks at a time and lose each of those games by like 30 points. Mm-hmm. Um, Miami can put up a better fight, but they don't necessarily have enough horses potentially to go mm-hmm. up against Denver. Um, and they may just get size advantage. Yeah, because they don't have anybody to do with Joker. Once oh, yeah, you, you shot that up, you just once that up. Bam is out of the game, like, and he's not even that big. Like, they have zero height. Um, like, but they will put up the best fight against Denver, but they are at such a disadvantage. Like, so I, I don't know as a as a matchup who I want to win. So I'm just gonna let's see what happens because Miami's will to win is so great, but. <laughs> Even if you want to win bad, if Boston comes out there playing like Boston can play, they they could easily dog walk them in this game seven. They could. And Shonda, baby, I'm sorry, but I hope game seven is like game six. I me listen. Too. I, I hope I want to like game six. Give me I, overtime. I have said this to Jay on countless occasions. I said, I am so glad that it's giving you all basketball, true basketball fans what I think you deserve as basketball fan. So like, I hope it is, I, I do. I hope it's a really great game. I think there's a lot to be said about a team that was down 3 mm-hmm. right? To be able to rally back. I think about the culture um, within the locker room for Boston. I think about the way that they're playing together. And I think about the Miami culture. Like how I said the other day, if I hear undrafted one more time right it it at at this point it's no longer relevant to the conversation we're having right now right I had to get educated I'm like we ain't even talking like these like whenever they came in the league they were undrafted so I'm like why are we still having this conversation and and it it is and and they are being characterized by the title Mm. right side note on Reggie Miller's voice and what it does to me while I'm watching basketball but then he's saying it so I think there's 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 chips on their shoulders that they're playing with you know that there there's a point to be proven and I think Jimmy I appreciate his leadership I appreciate the way he says they follow me I have to play a certain way Right. If I do this, this team will follow. So, again, I, I I very much like and appreciate the game of basketball, but I think there are so many sub stories that are playing out in addition to the game itself that I think is a beautiful story that's that's being told on either side. I have so much respect. Right. For both of those teams, for both of you know the coaches. I too was like, yo, Spo, what was that? <laughs> like, did you drop? It, it was just that moment of like, okay, but having opportunities to live and learn, right? Um, but it, I think it's going to be a phenomenal stress-inducing game seven. <laughs> um, yeah. I know, me personally, I can't wait. This is yeah. this is what the playoffs are all about. A game seven to get to the finals? Like, this is it, man. I, I am super excited. One thing I did like... I liked what Spo said um, during the post game, like saying that I wish we could play this game right now. Like that's because I, right? hey. <laughs> I, I am like that. Like, yo, let's just run this back right now. Like hop on the court. Let's just do this. But um, no, awesome. Like, no, 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 no. You can back to Harper. Let's go. Right. Right. No, no, no. We're good. We're good. Let's go. Let's go back. Let's go back to TD. But I know either way, the matchup that we're going to get in the finals is going to be spectacular. So, um, I, I personally can't wait to see this game seven. I just pray pray for overtime. That's all I want. Pray for overtime. Just I want another buzzer beater. Give me give me a close game. Does it give me game six all over again? Or just give me give me a close game. Win win yes. by no more than five. Somewhere between that one to five range. I'll live with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I am with it. I'm with it. All right. Um, L, is there anything you want to say before we wrap this up? Nah, I appreciate it talking with you, gentlemen. Thanks for inviting I'd me. Love having you. Thank yeah. you. Yes, indeed. All right. So, normally, this is where me and Tree drop our socials. 
But since L, since you are a guest, why don't you drop your socials? Yes. Well, yes, you can find me at www.thelaborsoflove.com and I am Labors of Love 513 on the social. All right, Tree, go ahead, drop yours, sir. Yes, sir, on Twitter, I am at. Oh, man, I really just forget my. <laughs> I really just forget mine. I really just, I just really forgot it. What, what, the, the Nick Diver? Yeah. <laughs> man, I was out had a moment there. Oh, uh, yeah, on Twitter, man, I am at the Mikadiva, M C G as in go, O D as in David, I B A at the Mikadiva on Twitter. And I am at J Sug at J A Y S U G G, also on the Twitter. Until the next time, y'all, we out. Later. See ya.